Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Great to see you all. If we haven't met, my name's Tim, part of the team here at Horizon. And uh, each week we take some time to open up God's Word, to lean in, to let God just speak to us through the Scriptures and helping to, to uh, you know, uh, stir our hearts towards faith. And uh, tonight, I honestly believe that God's going to speak to each of us. So are you ready? Yeah. Well, I am ready as well. If you do have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 5. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. We've got it on the screen. You can follow along there as well. But we're going to read this incredible story about when Jesus first calls His disciples. And so we pick up the story in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this. It says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around Him and listening to the Word of God. Do you know in 10 weeks, uh, about 20, 25, 26 of us are heading over to Israel. And uh, just as I read that, I just thought, man, I'm going to be there in about a few months' time. So... I'm very excited to be heading over there. First time ever going to Israel. Who's been to Israel? Give us a, wow, come on now. So good. And uh, how cool is that? 25 crew from Horizon campuses all heading over together. What an experience. So we do it every, you know, pretty frequently. So if you would like to be a part of that, you know, ask me about it. I'll give you some more info. But I digress. Back to verse 2. And it says, he saw at the water's edge two boats. You know, I was out in a boat. No, I'm not going to digress again. Just kidding. They were left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have been working hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners on the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled their boat so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. It was obviously miraculous. Like it was beyond a good catch. It was like something's going on here that makes me recognize that I'm in the presence of greatness. I'm in the presence of somebody who can actually command creation and creation listens. And he is so humbled that he lies down and he says, get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Uh, They were so amazed. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then... Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. That would have smelled pretty bad a couple days later after they walked away from boatloads of fish, just sitting out there in the sun to follow Jesus. Again, I digress, but let us pray. Lord, I just thank you so much that tonight, as we open up your scriptures and we see the faith of these people who encountered you and then chose to follow you, I pray, God, that we would be stirred to the same type of faith, 
Lord, that you don't just call a few back in the day, but you have reached out throughout all of time and throughout all the years from then until now, beckoning people to follow you and everyone who has taken up the call to follow you and and has said yes in faith has begun a journey that really is miraculous. And I just pray that tonight, God, we would remember who it is that is calling us and what it means to be people of faith who say yes when you say follow. And we just ask you for your help tonight in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight, the message I'm sharing is called Risky Business. Risky Business. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this story and, you know, just letting it sort of wash over me as I was preparing and just thinking about how our story, you know, each of us have, a, have our own story of faith where God's called us to follow Him, right? And the story of faith is really interesting because everyone has a call to follow Jesus. There is a call that he puts out to everyone to put your faith in him. But for each of us, if you were to talk to someone about it, there's similarities, but there's also so many differences. I can look at your story and be sort of like inspired, but there's a step of faith that I have to take that you wouldn't understand because it's faith, you know what I mean, for me. It's my circumstance, my situation, my, uh, you know, my, my world that is actually being put out there uh, in this step. And so for all of us, it's almost like we have this shared understanding that faith is required, but you know, the step of faith is unique and each one of us has to take our own step as God leads us to do that. And I just want to share a few thoughts around this idea of faith. And the first thought that I want to share is this, and that is that faith involves trust and trust involves risk. And uh, I've preached at a fair few like youth like events over the years. And <clears throat> you got to sort of like Often you don't have much time, right? You got 20 minutes and you are like, man, I got to actually like win everyone over so I can actually share a message that they'll receive. And there's a little trick that I do sometime, which is a backflip uh, in front of teenagers. And it just seems to get people to like, listen, it's like, all right, that was, that was impressive enough for the next 15 minutes. You got me, right? And over the years, you know, I've, I've done a, hundreds of backflips. I mean, the way it works is you get somebody from the crowd and you say, hey, come, I'm going to get you. I'm going to put my life in your hands and I'm going to ask you to, f- to, to flip me and I'm going to do a backflip. And everyone's like, no way. And I'm like, oh, I'll do it. And over the years, I've had everyone. I've had Jackson Moore. I think I've had Katie Douglas. I think I've had Sam Arnold's flip me, Jackson's wedding. <laughs> uh, all of this. Over the years, many people have flipped me. It's not really that hard. All you really need is a stable foundation to flip off and you can make it. And uh, if you want lessons, I'll, I'll teach you later. It's not that hard, trust me. <laughs> but this one time last year, I was preaching at this youth, great youth ministry up in the Central Coast and there was about 300 teenagers in the room and I get this, you know, I get this young guy. I'm like, I need an athlete. Who's an athlete? And everyone starts chanting this guy's name, Damien, right? And I'm like, they have to be like year 11, year 12, Damien. And I'm like... All right, and all I need is someone big enough and strong enough to be able to flip me, right? So then I'm like, all right, well, who's this Damien? Get up here. And this guy gets up who's not big, like, and I'm like, oh, it's going to be all right. It's not that hard. So the, the reason they were cheering Damien, it was his birthday. So it got nothing to do with athleticism. Good old Damien, Damien's birthday. And I'm like, all right, Damien, all you need to do is not let your hands come apart, right? And then I'm Gene, everyone, I'm putting my life in his hands. Get ready, someone get triple zero on speed dial, right? And over the years, as I've gotten older, Milani has been telling me, <laughs> every time I do one of these backflips, Tim, you're not 20 anymore. One day you're going to land on your head, right? 
And I'm like, no, it's easy. It's not that hard. But this was the night, right? <laughs> In front of 300 teenagers at this youth event, I'm just like, I'm going to count to three, and I just need you to just lift your hands, right? And he's like, all right. So I go, one, two, three. And I, the thing about it is you have to commit. If you don't commit, you're not going to make it. No, 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 no. Tonight's not that. I actually don't have time. I actually don't have time. Please, please. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, so what I do is I stomp through this guy. And his hands, like, 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 come apart. And so I am fully committed, but the platform is gone. And so I just, like, do this, like, stun mullet thing. I don't know what happened, but I just, like, like this, and just land, like, halfway, and then bang, straight down on my head in front of 300 teenagers. And you know I was saying you do it to when everyone's, like, you know, they're impressed and they're going to listen to you? From that point, I had, like, 300 phones on me, and I'm like, I'm about to go viral as a, as a reel right now. This is not good. But all that to say <laughs> that when you put your trust in somebody, there's a certain level of risk because you are relinquishing control. You are no longer the only one that is in control of the outcome. You are now trusting somebody else to come through for you. And uh, when it comes to putting our trust in God, there's this same principle that we have to, that we have to cross internally where we are saying, God, I actually choose to relinquish control. I'm putting myself out there in, in, a, in a way that there's no guarantee that it's going to go my way or it's going to happen the way I want it to happen. It's almost like this, this line you cross. And, you know, faith, I've found, is like one of those steps that is, that is sort of like, it's big internally and you might wrestle with it over time. There's a meaningful internal line of faith that God calls us to cross. And we see that in this story, right? Excuse me for a moment. We see that in this story with these followers uh, who left everything. They left everything to follow Jesus. It is a big move. They walked away from their routine, their families, their business, their, their possessions, and they followed him. There was this massive moment of faith where they said, yes, I will follow you. And at that time, they weren't sure exactly what that meant to follow this guy. And they followed him for years and years and years. And even to the point after Jesus died, they were like, well, we were expecting something different. <laughs> this didn't work out how I thought it would work out. And what did they do? They went back to fishing. So it shows the significant level of trust that they put in Jesus. Ultimately, he revisits them after he's risen and he calls them to live their life in faith. And they do that. But one of the things I love about God is that he is kind to us and he reveals enough of himself and his nature to help us to make the step of faith. You see, I love that Jesus walks up to Peter and he says to him, hey, I want you to do something for me. And Peter says, yes. Then he goes out and he catches a fish. And because Peter had seen something about Jesus that was different to every single other person he's seen, there was this almost like desire to trust, to put his faith in him, to be like, well, I just saw something so powerful take place. And because I have seen that there is something going on with you, I am choosing to take that step of faith. You know, the more that you discover the character and the nature of God, the more you are drawn to place your trust in Him. We saw it with Jesus walking on the water. He walks out and then He says, hey, now come, Peter, walk on the water. 
and we see him, or I've seen you walk on the water, then maybe I can walk on the water. There's this like kindness of God that says, hey, I want you to put your faith in me, but first I'm gonna reveal a little bit of my character, a little bit of my nature, a little bit of my power so that you get an understanding that there is something worth following and someone worth following who is reaching out to you. He shows his character and he, you know, he meets you where you're at and he shows a kindness that maybe you don't deserve or a mercy that you didn't earn or, or the grace of God which covers you know, your own error and you are just like, wow, this person is worth following. I love the story of a woman who was being condemned by an entire city and they're all ready to kill her. They literally got stones in their hands and then Jesus comes along and they're like, you know, Moses said that we can do this. What do you say? And he says that famous line of you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they left, dropped their stones and they left. And then what does he say? The one person without sin in the, in the arena, he says, neither do I condemn you. Right? Now go and sin no more. He calls her to a step of faith, but first he shows her his character. I am worth following. I am somebody that you can put your trust in. And sometimes people balk at faith but the, the issue is that you have not seen the character and the nature of God, which is why I'm so glad you're here tonight. Because when we share these stories about Jesus, when we read Scripture, it reveals who He is. And all of a sudden, you who might have a hard heart towards God, start to think, well, maybe there's more to this than I understood. Maybe you've grown up with a horrible situation in your household or a father who was absent and you hear about God the Father and you're just like, no, thank you. But then all of a sudden you come into a environment and all of a sudden you start to realise maybe my understanding of what a father is is different to what it could be and this inclination towards God starts to birth in your heart and this call to faith comes because He reveals Himself to us. God is so good in that He reveals Himself to people. Interestingly, one of the things I've noticed is that God doesn't always reveal himself in the way that we are believing for a breakthrough. So sometimes we're like, you know what, God, I feel you're calling me to trust you in this area. And he doesn't show you the result of someone else who trusted you in the same area, but he shows you the result of someone else who trusted him. You know, we see this in the story of Jairus and he's out there and he needs a miracle for his daughter who is very sick and, and he's on her deathbed. And then this woman comes along and she has an, an illness and Jesus heals her. And it's almost like his ability to say yes to Jesus and have faith for Jesus came because he had seen God do something that was miraculous. These disciples, they saw a big catch of fish. That really had nothing to do with their long-term call, but Jesus links it and he says, hey, I've been talk you've been watching me with fish here, but I'm going to make you fishes of men. And this thing happens where they have seen something, not in the arena that he's calling them to, but in another arena, which is strong enough for them to say, well, there's something about this guy who is worth following. Faith involves trust and trust involves risk. There's a line that you need to cross in your own heart. And for some people tonight, like I did all these years ago when I was 13 years old, I just made the, the, the decision to cross that line and say, you know what, Jesus, if you are real, I'm going to give you a chance. And a bit later, I'm going to pray for people who are in that space. And then the second thing I wanted to draw out of this is that there is a difference between faith and recklessness. <laughs> and uh, there's this... Uh, there's this thing uh, that, is, that is known as risk tolerance in, in, in the sort of investment world. And it's sort of like, what is an investor's stomach for risk? And there's this sort of spectrum of risk takers. Um, anyone on the like, not like taking risk side of things? Anyone on the risk taking side of things? Well, there is this spectrum and some people like thrive on that. They love it. I've always been drawn to uh, the more riskier things in life. Um, but I would argue, now my, my wife might 
think this is different, but I would argue that I like risk, but I don't think I'm reckless, right? <laughs> and uh, and I, I really realized this one time when I was on holidays, and we're in Indo, and I've always, I love doing things like jumping off stuff and, you know, all the extreme sports. That's my jam, right? I love that. But we went to this beach called Benoa Beach. And if you've been there, it's like wild. And when I got there, there were people doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Like there were people paragliding, there were people on jet skis, there were people on those like jet water packs. You know, there were people on these boats that when the boat went heaps quick, the thing at the back lifted up and was going about 30 feet in the air and there's like seven people strapped to it. It literally looked like a Where's Wally, you know, uh, 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 page in a book, just things happening everywhere. And I walked in and everyone's like, you're going to love this, this beach, Tim, because you're a risk taker. You're going to love it. I walked in there and I just was like, not a chance I am getting on anything in this beach. I'm not going anywhere, even near the water. I don't even want to be near these crazy people who are out of control. This is reckless, not risky. And uh, there's something about understanding, you know, the limitations that you have. You know, give me a jet ski, I'll be okay. Sit on the back of your jet ski, I don't want anything to do with it, right? I don't want to put my trust in your hands. But this, re- uh, this made me realise that there's a difference between taking a risk and being reckless. And when it comes to faith, um, you know, faith actually isn't determined by your risk tolerance. You think, well, I'm not a really, like, risk-taking kind of guy, so therefore I'm not a person of faith. It's actually a completely different thing. It's not, it's not risky people take big faith steps. No, it's people who actually, you know, know Jesus that have faith. It is not, faith is not determined by your risk tolerance. It's actually determined by your revelation. You, you, you don't do crazy things for God because you're a crazy person. You take crazy steps for God because you know who it is that has asked you to do the crazy thing. And this is why Romans 10 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. The more that you see him, the more that is revealed about him, the more you're willing to take a risk. And, you know, we, we are called by God to live these lives of faith, but it's actually not a personality thing. It is a, it is a willingness to follow the one who calls us. Do you know who it is that is calling you to cross the line of faith? You know, one of the things I've learned is that it's not uncommon uh, to have people uh, reverse engineer uh, this idea of faith. Um, and the way they do it is they try, they try and reverse engineer faith to get God to do what they want. But I know how this works. People do crazy things that God tells them to do, and then he comes through with miracles. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something crazy, and then I'm going to checkmate God into backing me up because <laughs> I stepped out in faith. <laughs> Well, you probably didn't take a risk. Probably what you did is you are reckless. And it is possible to do things that are on our agenda, in our terms, cloaked in religious language, saying it's faith, saying, ah, I'm going to do this thing and this is what I... But really the question is, is it something that God has called you to do or is it something that you want to do? Is it something that you have determined in your own heart to make happen? You know, um, Jesus showed us faith on display when He you know, chose to do God's will and not his own. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, well, I would love for this not to be the way to save humanity, but Jesus not my, Jesus said, but God, not my will be done, your will be done. And he, 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 he shows us, he illustrates for us what it is to have faith that says not what I want, but what you want. It is a humble position to take the position of faith. And we see Jesus' example. We also see Peter 
show us the opposite to what this looks like. You know, after Jesus told his followers, this is what has to happen. I'm going to go and I'm going to suffer. I'm actually going to die. The Bible says Peter comes along and he's like, Jesus, I'm not going to let it happen, man. I am not, that's not happening. Not on my watch. I want you to know you will not die while I'm around, right? And you know what Jesus actually says to Peter? He actually says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. And he goes on to say, you know, you don't have in mind the things of God, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You are not living by faith. You're trying to like, you think you get what you're meant to do and you're trying to make it happen, but that's actually not God's will. You actually need to come into alignment with what God wants and that's what faith actually looks like. Not asking God to bless you, but you saying, God, whatever it is you ask me to do, I'll do and you will bless that. God will not respond to recklessness by giving what you want. He will respond with mercy and grace because that's his nature, that's his character. When we make mistakes, when we try and do things in our own strength, he's present to, to catch us back up and to bring us to himself and to remind us of his goodness. He will respond with mercy and grace, but God will not be led. You cannot make God do what you want God to do. We actually, faith is saying, not my will, but your will be done. Faith is a response to the call from God and faith requires humility. Thirdly, faith is the doorway to the miracle power of God. You know, there are so many times in the Bible when Jesus comments on people's faith. He says, your faith has made you well to somebody who had great faith. He said, uh, as, you know, as, as, uh, as you have faith, according to your faith, let it be done. There is this connection between people's faith and the miracle power of God. You know, he said to one person, in all Israel, I've not seen the faith that I've seen here today. It's like he commends faith and faith is this doorway to the power of God. You know, we also see um, the story of when Jesus went to his hometown and it says like, well, he was not able to do many miracles there because they had little faith. So there's this reality that our faith comes into play when it comes to the power of God being present in a circumstance. God chooses to partner with people and he says, you have the faith, I have the power. If you have the faith, watch me arrive on the scene. You know, um, faith in our own hearts is more this line we cross than sort of like, um, like a balance that we have. Like I've got a lot of faith today and if I do certain things I'll have more and then not so much today. And you know, it's not so much this thing that we sort of like give and take. It's sort of like this, it's this line you cross where it's sort of all or nothing. And we love, I love the story of um, the, the widow's might. When Jesus looks out and there's all these people doing great things for God, giving great amounts of money, and this little lady gives two little coins and Jesus stops everyone and he says, whoa, guys, check out this woman. She has given more than everyone. Why? Because she has given everything she has to live on. In other words, she's now in faith realm. She can't look after herself. She is not able to provide for herself. She is now depending on the Father. She is now depending on God. She crossed the line. These guys, it says, gave out of their surplus. You know, sometimes we do things for God out of our surplus faith. We think it's like surplus faith. It's like, well, you know, this is what I'm comfortable doing. And the thing is, you can fool, even this happens with pastors, because you're around for so long that, you know, things that other people admire, wow, what a great person of faith. Wow, you are just the things that you do for God inspire me. And you look up to people that have been walking with God for decades and you think, wow, look at all the faith they have. But the question is, at any given moment, are you actually at a point where if God doesn't come through, you are out, you know, you're not going to make it. 
You're, you're, you're in a place where you've crossed the line of faith and you're in God's hands. Because it's easy to do things that impress people, but God is not. The Bible says that, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. We can do all these things and to others it looks like faith, but we might be resting within our comfort zone. We might be doing things that sound like faith. They look like faith to other people, but God sees through it all. And He's just like, but I'm asking you to live by faith. Like, do it. Cross the line. And until we actually cross the line and we actually say, yes, I will follow you. I will leave everything. I will go where you tell me to go. I am a person who is saying, I trust you and put my life in your hands. It's almost like that's the moment. And I'm telling you, when, when you cross this line of faith, you know it. And you, you can tell, you know if you're like where your weight is. I've often shared this story, but you know if Peter's on that boat and if he was testing the water, but his weight was on the boat, I'm confident that he just, it wouldn't have been solid. Because the step was, when are you going to transfer your weight? When are you going to lean on my word and not on your own understanding? When are you going to rely not on your own knowledge, but on what I have said? When are you going to cross the line? And it's almost like, it looks like faith, looks like faith, but it's only faith when it actually crosses that point of no return. When you place your life in God's hands. And this is the place where miracles happen. This is where we discover God come through. I look back on my life and I just think the moments where I've experienced the power of God the most have been the moments where I put myself in His hands. And it's not that we don't wrestle, but it's that we choose to believe even in the midst of the wrestle. You know that guy that says, Jesus says, you know, nothing's impossible for those who believe. And he says, well, I do believe. And the very next words out of his mouth, help me with my unbelief. This is a man who is like, I have made a choice to trust you and to follow you and to say yes to you. And I know that I am still a work in progress and I'm asking for your help with that, but I'm crossing the line. And it's almost like saying like, okay, catch me, right? It's like you jump and then you're like, catch me. It's like this faith step that actually resulted in a miracle. And finally, the fourth one is this. Everyone gets the call to come follow me. And this is a good place for us to land tonight. Liam, maybe if you could come up, bro, that'd be great. And the reason it's a good place for us to land is because it's great to talk about other people's steps of faith. But the truth is that everyone gets the call to come follow me. And it doesn't just happen once. When you first give your life to Jesus, it happens every single day as you follow him. And I love the Gospels because they just tell the story of a bunch of simple, plain, average people who said yes when God said, when Jesus said, follow me. And then day after day, they were confronted with moments where they could say yes or they could say no. And sometimes they did well and sometimes they didn't. But as they grew in faith, we see these stories of people who made a habit of saying yes when Jesus said, come follow me made a habit of being people who lived by faith. And you were not created to live a faithless life. You were not created to live a life that you can control neatly, <laughs> that everything is in order as you want it to be and you feel very secure because of your own control over it. That's a small life. God has called every believer to a life bigger than that. We see Jesus and He's walking the streets and it's literally like heaven on earth. There is darkness being pushed back. There are people who are oppressed being set free. There are people who are sick being healed. There is like light bulb moments, people discovering who God really is. It's happening, it's powerful. And then he says this amazing thing in John 14, 12. He says, you know, those who believe will do even greater things than I have done. They will do these things and even greater things than these they will do. You know, God has called you to live a life 
that is full of the power of God. He's called you to live a life that is dynamic and has this aspect and element to it that is beyond your own ability, that goes and puts you in a place where you have to give glory to God and everyone around you gives glory to God because they're like, that was not something you could have done on your own. That is not something that you can, we can attribute to you or your brilliance or your goodness. That is an act of God. That is God there. And, you know, I loved um, listening to Fallon's message a couple of weeks ago. And God, we pray for Fallon as she drives over to Dunsborough on Tuesday. We just thank you for the grace of God on her life. We thank you for her big yes. God, as you've called her to take a step of faith, pray for her safety. And God, just for the hand of God to be upon her. You know, I love listening to that because for me, it was just, I've known Fallon for so long and she, she loves God. She's been in church, she leads worship. She went to our Bible college, our leadership college. She did a diploma, all that stuff. And I've watched her just get to know God, get to know God, get to know God, discover God, quiet times, worship down on the beach near where she lives, doing all this stuff, just getting to know God. And then God says, all right, Fallon, it's time to take a massive step of faith. Leave your family, move to the other side of the country. What do you say? And do you know why she could say, yes, I'm convinced? Because she knew the one who had asked her to do it. And she was like, well, if you want me to do it, God, I'm in. And what an adventure. Like she will have stories, literally stories to tell her kids, where she is like, I remember this one time God called me to the other side of the country and I said, yes. You know, be, be an old person who has stories of faith to tell your kids. Like it's all good. And I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a work hard kind of guy. I like to like be faithful and diligent over time. But there have been times in my life when it has been like a, a faith step. Like when I first gave my life to Jesus, I remember my heart was beating out of my chest and I just knew I needed to go down the front and give my life to Jesus. And I didn't want to because I was people around me, but the desire for what I had heard about, what had been revealed to me in those moments was so great that I said, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go to, and that step of faith changed my life forever. I, when I went into ministry, you know, I was, I was going down the path towards business and God rocked up and He said, Tim, you know, it's time. Do you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you step up and say yes? And I just remember saying yes. And I went into like this crazy season of life that was massive. But I look back now and I tell stories and it's all glory days. I tell you what, at the time it didn't feel like that. It felt stressful, felt overwhelmed, felt like I was gonna die. But on the other side of it, thank God that I've lived and made moments and choices of faith. You know, another amazing person in our church that I love and think is doing a great, living a great life of faith is um, Laura Pope. She's just literally on the edge of going into Jordan, like in the Middle East. And she is like this awesome blonde, short, sweet lady that just is like, been an awesome part of our church. She's grown up under the most amazing faith-filled parents. But as she's watched their example of faith, she's like, I wanna be, an, I wanna be a person of faith as well. So here she is going into this country with a passion for people who don't yet know Jesus. And she is on fire. And I'm just looking at her and I'm like, you are, you are living it. Like you are actually living faith. And we think, oh, they're the big things. But it's also the little things. It's the, it's the times when God calls you to, to make a choice between His way and the way that you would prefer to go. It's, it's, I remember being um, a teenager and God telling me to pray for Kyle's arm because he broke his arm. And I'm 15 and I am sweating. And I am like, but his arm's in a cast, God. And God's like, I didn't tell you to heal it. I told you to pray for it. And I'm like, what? Okay. And I remember literally school had finished and I'd been putting it off all day. And he's walking out the front gate 
And I, I literally got to this point where I'm like, it's now or never. And I just ran after him. I'm like, Kyle. He's like, what, bro? And I, I just stopped. I'm like, you know, I'm a Christian. He's like, yeah, we pray for stuff. And I'm like, he's like, cool. Like, Can I pray for your arm? He's like, yeah. I'm like, Jesus, just pray for Kyle's arm. Amen. He's like, thanks, bro. I'm like, cool, man. Bye. <laughs> right off. But I'm telling you, it was a line of faith that I was just like, okay, okay. And I'm telling you, these are the moments where it's just like, bang, God just becomes real for you. And it stops being some like religion that you're a part of or, or a process that someone else has talked you through. It's like, bang, it's alive. God is real for you. And I'm just telling you that there is a call for you, whether it's the first time that I to make a decision for Him or it's something little, praying for a friend at work giving someone a gift and, and, and blessing them or, you know, like God, honestly, some of you guys, I wouldn't be surprised if God's actually called you to be missionaries in other countries. Like it's not unheard of for a person that is very normal to be sitting in a church service and bang, the Holy Spirit says, go to this country and you can't shake it and you try and you do what you can, but it just sits there because it's God. And when you go on that journey and you seek wise counsel and all those things, but there's a call to faith that God's called us all to right now. Faith involves trust, trust involves risk. There's a difference between faith and recklessness. Faith is a doorway to the miraculous power of God and everyone gets the call to come follow me. I'm gonna pray for a moment. If I could ask wherever you are, just to, just to make this moment sort of um, something that you can engage with. Can I ask you to close your eyes? Just so you're not distracted, just so you're not, you know, looking around and also so that people feel a little bit of privacy so they can have a moment with God. The ultimate step of faith is to put your trust in Jesus for your salvation. We think and we often try to do life alone, do life on our own, but not a single person from the people we read in Genesis the beginning of Genesis who were created by God, not a single person has ever been able to do this alone. We try and be good, we try and be perfect, we try and do everything we're meant to do, but we all fall short. You're not alone in falling short. And in fact, because every single person falls short of the glory of God, God Himself is the only one who can live up to His own glory. So God says, they can't do it, I'll do it for them. And Jesus, God Himself comes and He lives the life that you and I couldn't live. Perfect communion with God, sinless, walking as men and women should walk with God, led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by God, seeing heaven touch earth everywhere He goes, the miracle power of God working through Him. He examples for us what's possible and then this perfect man, the only one throughout all history who shows us what is possible for a human, says, I will give up my life and die a sinner's death so that those who have sinned, who have fallen short of God's glory can walk in my righteousness and they can be reconciled to God, not on their own merit, but on the work that I have done for them. The Bible says, he who knew no sin, became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. There is nothing you can do to be perfect before God apart from accept what He has done for you 
by faith. The Bible says it is by grace through faith that we are saved. And so the first faith step for every single person to take is to say, Jesus, I need You and I put my life in Your hands. I accept You as my Lord and Saviour and I say, come into my life and make me new. And if today you're in this room and you have never made that decision in your own heart to cross that line of faith, this is your moment. There's a promise that comes with it, that the old will be gone and the new will come. And that this new creation is in communion with God, not just for now, but for all eternity. And so simply, if you need to get right with God, it takes a step of faith. And with every eye closed right now, I'm gonna help you put words to that step of faith. And we're gonna pray a prayer. If you believe in your heart and you pray out to God with your mouth, this moment is a miraculous moment for you to come back in a relationship with God. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get everyone to pray this prayer. But for some people, you know that you're praying this prayer and it is really coming from your heart. And I just want you to focus on God and repeat these words after me. And we're all gonna, we're all gonna help out. So after me, just pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I know that you love me and that you gave your life up for me. I thank you that you forgave my sin and you have given me new life through your death and resurrection. I declare you Lord and Saviour and I place my faith in you. From this day forward, walk with me, talk to me, and live in me in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.